Hello and well welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome back to another Remind podcast. My name's David Masterson and I have with me the delightful Dr. Ashley Morland. How are you going today, Ash? I'm amazing. How are you doing? Very well, very well. I'm excited about today's topic. I suppose excited is the right word. It's probably <laughs> something that I relate to probably a little bit too much and that's... Um, fear of rejection or just rejection overall or just a sensitivity to rejection. Um, something I've sort of dealt with a fair bit in, in my life. So really keen to unpack a bit of that with you and share some thoughts about all of that. So did you want to sort of take away or take it away? How would you like to approach fear of rejection? Yeah, well, if you're a new viewer or listener, however you're joining us today, we are touching on fear of rejection off the back of our last episode, all about people pleasing. And the way that we got to people pleasing is that we're wanting to really understand what are the symptoms of being disconnected from self. So a lot of what we're talking about in our podcast and our YouTube channel is actually about having a strong connection to self. So People-pleasing is where our conversation went to last episode. Go yeah. and check it out if you missed mm. it. It was a cracker. And that really set us up or led to this conversation of this fear of rejection because we want to please people so that they won't reject us. It's the perfect continuation of that conversation. Mm. So... I guess what we're really going to be chatting about today is what is fear of rejection. And actually, um, in recent years, working with, uh, I work with a lot of clients who have ADHD and, or an ADHD diagnosis. Yep, and you also share a, share a show with one of them as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and live in the body of one of them as well. So. <laughs> Go ADHDers. Yes. So one of the things that I found really interesting is that rejection sensitivity is a very, very prominent feature of people who have an ADHD diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And then some of the behaviors that come out of that are really aligned and really relevant to that, uh, that experience. So when we talk about fear of rejection, one of the things that I think is really important is about, first of all, understanding what is it? So what do you think fear of rejection is? Oh, how do you explain the color orange? Um, <laughs> so rejection, well, it's at its core, it's, it's I suppose, how, how deep do you go? It's discomfort, it's, it's pain, it's, it's, but it's the way it's been, generated or the way you, you've got it is because you've been somehow excluded or you felt yeah. and for me it's been very important I felt that I was excluded in some way or yeah. what I had to offer wasn't good enough and it's going to come back to this theme of you know good enough um, and some of it could have been you know a, a rejection from putting yourself or your heart and soul into something mm -hmm. or emotionally investing into something and it not coming out. So for me, the biggest parts that I can probably relate to, and I'm probably not alone in this, is relationships. Yeah. You know, especially in the younger years, you fall head over heels for someone and you can't shake it out of their head. And then the Brian Adams, anything I'll do, I'll do it for you, comes on. You start <laughs> to get up in your feels, right? I am showing my age, I understand that. Um, and then you just sort of go, I've got to do it. I've got to, I've got to tell them. And they go, thanks. But no. Right? And it's, it's not that and just because you want something so badly doesn't mean they necessarily want it. But that, I think it's when you put that investment into something so deep. Yeah. Right? It's just more than just something small. Like if you lose five cents mm. or if you invest five cents, yeah. it's not going to hurt if you lose it. Yes, 
A hundred percent. There's a value proposition, right? Well, that's it's sort of like if if you went up to someone that you did not like or you felt sort of neutral towards mm-hmm. and said, can we dot, 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 and they say no, you'd be like, okay, yeah. no, no problem. Now, someone that you deeply admire, you deeply love, you deeply – like there's all these big emotions – and you sort of say, I'd really like to do this with you. Can we do it? Mm. No. Okay. Um, how about later? No. How about ever? No. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just that the way you, you sort of feel from that. And so it just comes to, I think, the core of a lot of stuff we're going to talk about is how these all trace back to not being enough. Yeah. When you need to have that external validation or that external recognition or to see that effort and that investment is being reciprocated and if it's not instead of sitting there in a sense of it's okay because that's not for me and that's fine you don't sit in judgment well that's that's a very healed position to come from but when you're not there Yes. It's so amazing. So this is going to sound really random, but when I was overcoming my chronic fear of rejection and people-pleasing tendencies, I sat there and I thought about prawns. <laughs> We're talking about the animal that lives in prawns. the sea, right? Yeah, right, okay. like yep. shrimp, prawns. And because I don't like prawns. I don't like peeling them. I don't like eating them. I don't like the flavor. I don't like the texture. I don't even like the smell or how they feel in my hands. And I just thought, you know, humans as animals are so advanced cognitively, so advanced in our brain development and neural processes, which is so amazing. It's what sets us apart in the animal kingdom. Mm. And it's also to our detriment. In the sense that the prawn doesn't have the cognitive capacity or cognitive capability to sit there and go, why doesn't she like me? Why aren't I good enough for her to want to eat me? <laughs> like, it just. That's a hilarious. Uh, it just does. Like it, <laughs> well, this is literally yeah. how I process this myself. And I just thought, wow. wow. Like, isn't that amazing that I care so much that if someone else doesn't want me, I take that as a reflection of me not being good enough. Mm. And, you know, I look at the preferences that I have in my life. I, my preferences in tea that I drink, my preferences in cars that I drive, my preferences in clothes that I wear, my preferences in what I do with my hair and what I don't like. You know, I have preferences everywhere in my life and I am afforded the capacity to have that because of my neurological makeup. And yet every time I prefer one thing over another, I'm rejecting something. Yes. And so when I look at it, it's so interesting to me that for so much of my life, I was suffocated, Mm. literally suffocated by this concept of, someone's rejecting me when really I'm just not to their preference and that's okay. It's got more to do with them and their preferences and their filters of how they see the world and what they're looking for and what they like and what they don't like than it does me. And that was so, so profound. And then the other thing, I think it's a really important point you make about the value. Like when you really care, when there's someone whose opinion really matters to you, or someone whose validation really can give you a boost in feeling worthy and feeling important and feeling special, that's when it can become really, really painful. So I'm curious if you can relate to having that fear of rejection what did it stop you from doing? What opportunities did you miss? What um, like decisions did you Mm. not make? What did you not express? 
what did you how did you change or suppress or adapt yourself in the way that you showed up in the world even how like if it changed the way that you dressed or the things that you were into mm. just to avoid being rejected how has it actually changed the way that you showed up in your life previously oh, yeah well great great question um playing it small that was my survival mechanism right mm. Um, so if you, if you, if you don't ask, you don't get rejected. If you, if you don't, if you, you can't stop from wanting something, you can't stop desire. So there was, if I, if I had always played to what I believed were my strongest abilities, things would be different for good or for bad. It would just be different, but playing it small was a, a coping mechanism. So I'd have to not just want it not just want it it would have to be an excruciating want for me to have to go for it yeah um that that almost the pain of not going for it is worse than the pain of being rejected if you were rejected is that correct like a trade yes yeah? because I, I go back to previous episodes about what i'm like i was a very logical guy because emotionally when i was a kid i had to shut myself down because a lot of my needs were unmet, not because I had bad parents or a bad childhood. It's just that there was a lot of feelings coming up. So I had to sort of meet the world at a logical level. And so it was always sort of risk and reward. And how, how do I balance those things out? So playing it small was, uh, was, a, was a big one. But then the other side of it was to be rejected, right? And, uh, and it sort of got to a point where um, if I was... I got used to the pain, but it also made me angry. It also made me sort of kind of resentful. And then um, from there, it also gave me some drive to be better and then cue on perfectionism. We'll, we'll touch a little bit on that at the moment, but maybe we'll explore a little bit more in another episode. And so it really sort of all drew in from this sort of sense of, at the, the core of it, I was constantly if we sort of say in a state of fight or flight, just being constantly mobile because yeah. any time I'd stop, it'd be, it'd be too painful. So yeah. really play, playing it small. And one thing I want to sort of circle back to about fear of rejection is I think it's important that we, we're always going to experience rejection at some point. It is actually a survival skill that we were given innately when we're born into this world because as humans, we are communal animals we yeah. are we literally we're, we're, are wired to connect for our survival correct so you <laughs> yeah. will never get rid of it at all and so there's this sort of thing about community and so when you sort of someone who has zero care for anyone or anyone else's feelings i mean we could label that something else but so having that fear of rejection is is kind of healthy, but it's when it limits you or when you start to see what it's done. Yes. And for myself, playing it small. Yes. You know, for yeah. others, it might be people-pleasing. It's people the cost yeah. of it. I, I, I completely agree. And playing it small, when I think about, you know, we are living on earth at this time for a reason. I truly, genuinely <coughs> believe that, that we are incarnated into human form mm. at this time for a purpose that is so much bigger than just, I don't know, working to have a fancy car, working to go on the next holiday or get the next mm. hit, you know. There is so much more to life than that. But when we mm. are, when we're so identified with the worldly human form, rejection is that deep sense of separation, of separateness. And the thing that has become so powerful for me in my journey is unification. We are unified when we're identified with our sense of self that is spiritual, that is, um, you know, maybe you've heard the saying we're not humans having a spiritual experience, we're spirits having a human experience. Mm -hmm. And that really resonates for me because when I, when I go into that, sense of spiritual self the eternal self that it, it exceeds you know the, the time and space of this life on this earth there is 
no such thing as rejection. I literally cannot be rejected because I'm connected to all that is. Hmm. Rejection only occurs at the surface level of human form and the misperceptions of human connection. And so you're talking about safety and survival. That is only safety and survival of the flesh. Yeah. Which means that fear of rejection is purely egoic. Mm, and mm. so this is where we're tying back to that sense of self, the, the connection yeah. to sense of self and who is self. Because if we are identifying as flesh self, we're going deep, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> if we are identifying yeah. as flesh self, then we are separate from everything because humans believe that we are all separate. And in the mm -hmm. human experience, Experience, we need validation and acceptance from others because we don't know who we truly are. We don't we we don't have that eternal connection to all that is. Boom! If I, I had it, I'd drop it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't drop my mic, but anyway, um, <laughs> it's you, you raise some incredible points there because it's that sort of the sense of unity when when you have that true sense of unity then there is no me because yeah. for, for if I identify as me as a singular, I immediately create the other. Yes. And, and that is separation. And then, then, and then there's separation. Yeah. And look, you know, when we talk about the spiritual side of all of this, I believe we are here to experience it. That was sort of what, what we signed up for, right? Because when you go up and up and up and up and up, there is no separation. So I come down and down and down and down and down. Well, because we're here to experience it for a reason. And all of these things, as I said earlier, I don't believe that these are bad things, but when it actually really creates this fear mm. of not doing something like you, you mentioned before, that's when it becomes really, really bad because discernment, not everything is for everybody. Yeah, You can't be all things for everyone. All people can't be all things for you but also i think we all have a different purpose and so like if my purpose was to feed the masses and someone tried to hand me a shovel i need to reject the shovel because it's not in alignment with my purpose of why i'm here in the first place mm -hmm. if someone else's purpose was to shelter the masses and someone tries to come and hand them a bag of flour then they need to reject the flower because it's not in alignment with their purpose. It's not serving the reason that they're here in the first place. And I think, you know, it's all well and good to have this conversation about, um, you know, that we are here to experience. But I also think that in some ways that's a quite selfish way to look at it because partly, yeah, we are here to experience. That's literally the human being experience is mm. why we have a sensory system. But bigger than that, we are all here for a purpose that's bigger than us. We're all 100%. here to impact others and to have a ripple effect. It's not just the world serving mm -hmm. us, but it's, and one of the most bold prayers that I pray is to use me, use me, mm -hmm. send me out so that I can impact the world because that is a purpose that's bigger than me. But also that requires me to reject things that hold me back from fulfilling that purpose. Yeah, and, also, and so, I suppose you're using the word maybe discernment and rejection interchangeably in this yeah. scenario. Yes, yeah. exactly. But you can only, rejection is only discernment if we are identified as our spirit self, mm. if we are on purpose, if we know what our purpose is, if we, are val if we know what our values are, if we are aligned to that and we're, we are collecting a tribe and we're collecting resources that... Mm push forward to achieve that purpose then fear of mm. rejection is is completely redundant but it requires for, the only way that we can know our purpose the only way that we can have um intention and connection so another another symptom of not being connected to self is um feeling lost or disconnected if people are lost and disconnected and they don't have a strong understanding of who they are and what they're here for and, you know, how they're here to serve the world and make make humanity a better place, um, 
they're going to be very overly identified with ego, which is, please don't reject me. Why aren't I good enough? Mm. You are good enough. You were born for this. You're literally, you were born good enough. You were born perfect, <laughs> exactly as you are. And it's just all the bullshit of the world that's trying to convince you otherwise. Yeah. And I think to add to that point is when, so I'm thinking about, you know, someone listening to this and they're sort of going, okay, I understand that I hate it when I'm being rejected, but I want to understand more about it. Mm. For me, I'd be sort of thinking, well, the fear of rejecting or the fear of being rejected means I have an attachment to this scenario, this person, there's something which is a hundred percent external. However, I feel as though it's sort of like, I need this person to love me back because I'll never be able to, I'll never feel this way about somebody else. Or Mm. I need this scenario to happen because if I don't, then all the work I put in to become this profession is over. So Mm. there's a lot of what I sort of see is this attachment that comes, comes with externally because internally, if everything, if you find your worth internally, you'll simply see rejection. And I love this saying, rejection is protection and redirection. Oh, I love that. It's not my own. I can't tell you where I heard it, but I love it. And it's one of those things where, again, if you feel as though that there's a purpose and there's something that's guiding you, which is above, you know, where you are in your head mentally, then maybe the reason that that is not for you, that there's there's been a perceived rejection is because it's simply not for you. Mm. However, your mind, your ego is so fully attached to it because you don't have that sense within yourself. Yeah. That's why the that's why the pain is is so 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 great. Yeah, that's massive. I love that. I have so many things going through my head right now. It's so <laughs> hard to decide which which path to take. But one of the things I really love where you just took that in terms of listeners or, or viewers who are watching this and tuning in. Mm-hmm being actually able to understand their own fear of rejection or maybe even identify it. So I'm going to go through a list of some things that I'll use with clients sometimes to help them to identify if this is even a thing for them. So the first thing that I would ask is, do you ever avoid social situations or meeting new people or making decisions because you're afraid of what people will think or afraid of being rejected? Mm. That's the Mm. first thing. Like, is it actually stopping you from taking a step or from going to a new place or having a conversation or setting a boundary or is there a fear that stops you from doing that because you're afraid that someone will judge you or reject you? Very mm. powerful. And um, one thing, if you, if you don't mind, I'll just jump, jump in there. The, the one thing I, I find is that if you don't want to do it, that's fine. Like if you don't want to go out because you want to rest, rest yeah. because that's what you want to do. Yes. But if that little thought in your head is, I want to go, but yes. dot, 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 dot. Absolutely. You're that spot on. is being triggered by something. This is a fear-based mm-hmm. decision-making coming in. Yes. Because sometimes you don't want to go out. Sometimes you just want to be introverted and just sit on the couch and binge watch your favorite remind episodes um, or something like that. (laughs) Well, I think that's a really important, and that's one of the things that was going through my head is it brings us back to this concept that there are only two things. There are only two things, love or fear. And so when I'm working with people, even couples, even like people who are trying to decide whether they stay in their job or leave their job or, or whatever, it comes down to is this being driven by fear Or is it being driven by love? It's not about the outcome. It's not about whether you leave your partner or whether you stay with your partner, about whether you quit your job or whether you move to another country. It's not about the outcome. It's about is this decision being driven by fear or is it being driven by love? And so I love what you're saying because if you're saying, well, I actually don't want to go because I want to honour myself and rest. I'm being called Mm. to rest. That's from love. It's from a place of self-love and self-honor. If it is, 
oh, I really want to go, but I don't mm. want to because. Yep. What or, if so and so is there? I don't or, feel. Oh, I can't because. Yeah. You know. I don't feel. Oh, I've got nothing to wear. I, I feel ugly in everything that I own or, oh, I need to get my regrowth dyed or like, all of those things <laughs> without a fear of judgment. And and mm. so that fear of judgment is really, really holding us back. It's holding us back mm. from living in the fullness of, of our experience. Um, and so that kind of leads to the next place that I would take this. And it's, do you ever find yourself seeking reassurance from others or feeling the need to be liked by everyone? Do you feel if someone doesn't like you, what does that bring up for you? If you know, if I said to you, Dave, you're a great guy, you're not my cup of tea, and you knew that I didn't like you, mm. could you be at peace with that and still go to bed and move on with your life? Or would you sit there and ruminate and go, but what is it that she doesn't like me, like about mm. me? Would you try and overcompensate so that I yeah. would like? Look, I'd, I'd probably sleep okay because I've done a fair bit of work. I'd make the next episode probably just a little bit awkward, but <laughs> that was a joke. But anyway, <laughs> but yes, and that, and that's and that's that's the thing. I've heard the saying, "A line is not what's the word? I've 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 messed it up. A line is not concerned by the opinions of a sheep." Yeah. Right. So if your fear of rejection, you know, no one likes it. Oh, a no. lion. A lion. Oh, a lion as in a lion. I was like thinking I was, I had a straight line. I'm like, what does sheep no, and straight lines have to do? Lion. And then it, you know, a lion is not phased or is not concerned by the opinions of a sheep, right? Yeah. So it's sort of like when you think about that sort of fear or that, that's sitting within you, how big is it? How much is it being fed? And um, so, but, but yeah, but it doesn't matter who you are. If, if someone doesn't like you, it doesn't matter who it is, it has an effect. Whether it has a long-lasting effect for you to then make decisions in the future and large decisions, I think that's probably what we're talking about. The aspiration here is not to be numb to your emotions and numb to rejection so you simply can't see it or you never experience it. That's not humanly possible in my small opinion. Yep. So um, it's about how does it control you or how is it that you are either actively making decisions knowing about it or, or not conscious of whether you're making decisions yep. around it or because of it. Yeah, I think that's so, so, so powerful and so important. Um, I remember I was in primary, I think I was in primary school, maybe it was early high school, and a girl rang me on on the home phone attached to the wall <laughs> and I was at the neighbour's house uh, and I think it was a Friday night and my mum yelled out and told me that I had a phone call. And she rang me to ask why I didn't like her. And it was so interesting to me because I didn't even have a solid answer. I didn't even know that she cared that I didn't like her. And it wasn't in a malicious, I don't like you way. It mm. was just that I had a group of friends and she wasn't in the group of friends. And I had no good answer as to why I didn't like her. And equally, I was oblivious to the fact that that impacted her every day, that wow. it ate her up inside, <clears throat> that she felt that I didn't like her because there was something wrong with her or she wasn't good enough or whatever, so much so that she called my home phone on a weekend, on a Friday night or whenever it was, to ask me why I didn't like her. And it that was like I was young to have an experience like that. Mm. But it really got me thinking about, I didn't even know, like, it didn't even occur to me that she would be sitting at home on a Friday night thinking and stressing about why I don't like her when I have no reason to not like her. It's just that she, we're just in different friendship groups. That was it. She had never done anything. There was nothing about her that I, I could say, oh, you, I don't know, 
I can't even think of an example. Just whatever it is. Yeah. But, but what, it goes to, what it goes to show is that, um, I mean, for, for her as, as well, can you imagine what she would have to go through just to pick up the phone? Mm. And it was so real for her. Oh, it was it, so it, real for her that I didn't like her and that she wasn't good enough mm. and she yeah. was going through hell and yet none of it was true. It was all imagined in her mind. And again, I, I can remember being that girl, not quite literally, right? But <laughs> um, again, when I was young in, in primary school, the way I dealt with, with re re rejection and look, when I when I was going through school, there was a certain amount of um, things you needed to do to be popular, of which I didn't subscribe to. And for some reason, I, I can't tell you how or why, I just had a healthy sense of, if it doesn't feel right, I ain't doing it no matter what. Yeah. And so that used to lead to, I just generally didn't have too many friends. Yeah. And then when that got into high school, I would spend my lunch and recess in the library. Oh, my son. You're describing my son right now. Right. <laughs> Great news. He's going to be fine. Um, oh, and, but it used to be that, you know, I'd still have these things. And I remember calling up a girl, right, who I used to go to class with. I can't remember what, what it was. But I'd manufactured something in my head. And it was amazing and it was wonderful and it was intense. And again, I say manufactured because there was nothing that she did to create any of this. It was simply me creating this infatuation and it, it, it came over time. And, you know, I mentioned Brian Adams, right? This, this song really did play tricks on me around the time that Robin Hood came out. We all know Kevin Costner. I am showing my age if the hair hasn't already. Um, and... I listened to it like five times and I called her again, yes, from the phone and told her how much she meant to me. Yeah. And I can't even remember exactly what she said, but it was, I remember it being pleasant, but nothing that I wanted to hear. Even though yeah. I knew picking up the phone, chances are nothing's going to, like, I've got a gut feeling, but I had to say something. Yeah. And so to go through all of that and when you think about that scenario where you're on the opposite side it could be that the the, the rejection that you're feeling is a rejection from something you've created within yourself a hundred percent yes a hundred percent but not entirely on your own so you've created it mm -hmm. but it's not entirely without the help of others it's because our mind is a meaning making machine and so if you've had an experience and your perception of that experience results in the meaning making that I'm not good enough, I'm not enough, people don't like me, everyone rejects me, subsequent situations will be interpreted by that same meaning that's encoded in the mind. And so I would invite you, I mean, you've done heaps of work like this, but let's let's pretend this is for all of our viewers and listeners. I would invite you to question the meaning. And so think of a situation where you have been rejected, where someone has said maybe and that maybe. Here's the thing. It sounds as though that girl hmm. rejected you in a very compassionate way. Oh, absolutely. She yeah. was very she, she probably had no, no idea. And I probably no. called her after after dinner or during dinner or something like that because it was at night and a bit like you, blindsided by this. Yeah. But the reality is that not we're not always rejected in a loving, compassionate way, which, mm. again, has nothing to do with us and everything to do with the person who is rejecting. Mm. It's their actions and their behaviours and the way they navigate these situations is entirely theirs. It's on them. Mm. We can't control it. And so what I would invite everyone to do who's listening is to think of a situation where you have been rejected and it might be rejected at work or it might not even be a reality of rejection, but the fear of rejection has come up. For example, 
Um, maybe you have wanted to tell someone something, but you have chosen not to because you were too scared that, that you would be rejected. So the rejection may not have even happened yet, but you're being impacted by a fear of rejection. And if you close your eyes, take a nice deep breath in and ask yourself this question. If that didn't really mean that I wasn't good enough, what else could it have meant? So if that rejection didn't really mean that you were ugly, if it didn't really mean that you were not good enough, if it didn't really mean that you were not smart enough, if it didn't really mean that you weren't insert whatever it is for you, whatever comes up for you, what could it have truly meant? This is what I, I call shining a light on darkness because that darkness that's within you, that, that sense and belief, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not pretty enough, whatever it might be, or I'm too loud, I'm too fat, I'm too short, I'm too whatever. Whatever those beliefs are within us, that's the wounding that we're, we're trying to protect through that fear. That's the wounding that we try and protect through keeping, through playing small, through not expressing our full self, through whatever. And so when you ask that question, what else? If it didn't mean that, what could it have actually meant? That's a tough one because, you know, even as you sort of say that, if I had to go back and answer that, as like a 14 year old boy. Mm -hmm. It's like, it couldn't possibly mean anything except I'm not good enough in some way. I'm not asking you to answer it as the 14 year old boy. I'm asking you to answer it now. Yeah, as absolutely. Now, now there's, now there's, there's a, there's a big, big difference, right? Because mm -hmm. for, for me, it's sort of like, if it's, if it's for me, it w I will never miss out on it. Yep. Right. And, and so um, for, for me now, the attachments I have outside of myself are incredibly limited. Yeah. And so when I look at things and they're, they're not for me, I see the compassionate side as to, you know, I certainly won't stop and put my piece forward in a respectful manner, but also understand and be grateful that they've listened and that they've given, they've, they've responded. Mm. And then sort of, have a desired outcome, but also know that that's okay if it doesn't happen. So, so now it's, I, I simply just, I couldn't do it. But if I had to think as someone who would be looking at this thing of fear of rejection and going, there's something I need to work on. And if I had to put myself in their position, because I was there and I can still remember yeah. it. Yeah. I can still, it's, there is simply no other reason except that there is a reason they said no. And that reason is something within me that's not good enough for them. Because if I was good enough, they would have, they would have fallen over themselves to try and get it. Yeah, but that's not if true. I, well, if, if I had to think back then, if I say to them, would you like $10,000? Sure, what's the catch? Right? They see the value in that. If I say, would you like to go on a date with me? No. Oh, they don't see the value in that. And that's, and this is what, this was my old thinking. Because again, I'm projecting that attachment. Yeah, a hundred percent. I completely there. agree with you. So I don't want to confuse the people who are listening though, because you're answering this as someone who's healed this wound. <laughs> you're answering this as someone who's already done the work. Mm. And so the people who are listening may not have already done that work. This might be new information. It might They Absolutely. might have not even realised or, or resonated with this until today, listening to this for the first time. And so if they are putting themselves in that position as the adult that they are today with that elevated consciousness that has just mm. come through this discussion in the last 40 minutes or so, what could it have meant for them? And maybe it it is that, they just wanted something different for their life. Maybe it was that 
they just don't like prawns and I'm a prawn and that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Nothing safer than a prawn around Ash. (laughs) Yes, it's so true. It's so true. And so I think that that it's just one simple little exercise because it's about connecting Mm -hmm. in and repairing the relationship that you have with yourself because actually none of those things are true. None of the things... And if you can relate to those things that I'm to this, I'm not this enough, from the bottom of my heart, if you're listening and you can relate to those things, I am truly sorry. I'm so sorry that you have been deceived by a lie that is not true, that does not represent the the value that you bring. It's just that where, so you said that if, if you offered someone, do you want $10,000 that they would say yes, but you're making so many assumptions about that because what happens if you offered someone $10,000 in a time where um, currency was not used? It's worthless. Mm. What happens mm. if you offered 10000 Australian dollars to someone who whose currency is euro and it's pointless to them? They can't use it, mm. you know? So there's a lot of assumptions that what you're offering is valuable to the other person without actually reconciling, well, there's a hundred reasons why what you're offering wouldn't be for that person. Mm. Because not everyone would say yes to $10,000. It depends on the context. Absolutely, yeah. It it comes down to to the value. And again, I, I do hear what you're saying. It's um, and it's all coming from that sort of wounding with, with within us, hundred percent. Which is sort of going well. It has to be about me because if if you truly if you could answer that that question that you pose to everyone else, if you could answer that instantly, then you are healed already, mm. right? Because yeah. that 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 exists. What I was trying well, you're to healing. You're on well, the journey. Correct. And and for me, healing also means that, you know, you're healed more than you were yesterday. You know, I yeah. sort of the eternal optimist now. Um, that then you wouldn't have that even at the, to start with. But for, the, for a long time previously, I couldn't see anything outside of that I'm not good enough for some for some reason. Yes. And so getting getting past that. Um, that that would have been a difficult question, and, and for for those of you that have listened listened in and were able to have that that clarity of there is something else, and bloody hell, good on you because yeah. it's it's a difficult one. Yeah, and um, I would invite people if they found it really hard, take you out of it. So if you take yourself out of it, and let's say you can't get a response to that question when you're the one being rejected. Take yourself out of it and imagine that it's someone else. Imagine that it's one of your friends, your best friends being rejected and you are seeing that that situation go down as an outsider. What is it that would reassure, what is it that you can see in that situation by the person who is doing the rejecting Mm. that you could tell your friend to reassure them that is true? Because you can see, when you can take yourself out of a situation, you can see so much more because you're not suffocated by the weight of the emotion Mm. of your own past experiences. So that can be a really powerful, um, a really powerful And And one other thing I'd like to add to that is, what am I attached to in this situation? Yeah. Um, Is it that um, I feel so strongly about this person, I'll never feel the same way about another person again? Um, so I need to make this, this work because I don't want to be lonely or I need to feel this inside me. Or if it's at work, you've, you know, you've gone for a job and you know how perfectly suited it is and you crushed the interview and all that, but you still didn't get the job. What was it that you're attached to with, with, within that that makes it so, so painful? Um, and then to look into the future, how do you not let that fear of feeling those things stop you in the future. Yeah. This has been a big one, Ash. Like, I mean, it's been really big. The only, yeah. yeah, I love those questions. The only other thing that I want to touch on very briefly, and this will lead us into our next episode where we'll be talking a lot about perfectionism is how this fear of rejection comes about in the first place. I know you, you touched on that we we're born with it 
<clears throat> and I, I would disagree in the sense that we are born with a human need for attachment. Mm -hmm. So that is absolutely true. But we develop a fear of rejection after experiencing an, a negative emotion. And so mm -hmm. if, for example, um, if we, we are born with the need for healthy attachment for our survival, but we don't even know that there is any possibility other than healthy attachment if we never experience it. Mm -hmm. And so the fear of rejection can only come about through an experience of rejection or perceived rejection. Now, mm -hmm. I want to be really clear about perceived rejection because we can perceive that we are being rejected even if the truth of the situation is that we're not. And mm -hmm. so... Our early life experiences, this is likely, particularly in our first seven years, there's a few things that can play a really significant role developmentally in that fear of rejection. And one is insecure attachment. So if a parent might have been um, not very present, and this is not, again, nothing malicious towards parents. It's just sometimes reality. So, for example, mm. um, some of the most common things I see in clients is parents who just wanted to provide for their kids and give their kids the best best life possible, but they were never around because they were working three jobs. Mm. Well, what does the child feel? If you loved me, you would want to be with me. But it's actually out of love for the child and wanting to provide for them that they're out slaving their guts out working three jobs. And so do you see how there's this mismatch between the reality? The reality yeah. is that the parents were doing that because of love for their child, but the child, because they don't even have a fully developed brain yet, cannot mm. read between the lines. They can't perceive the truth <clears throat> of that situation. So they're very vulnerable to developing these distortions of I'm not good enough. If I was good enough, dad would want to be home with me when it's just not true. And so there's that, there's that, like that development of insecure attachment. Um, there's if we've had childhood experiences of being rejected by our parents or, or parents who are highly critical, um, it might mm. give us the sense that nothing we do is good enough or nothing we do is right and they're constantly rejecting our efforts. Um, that can go hand in hand with a lack of positive reinforcement and positive feedback. So um, if children are only receiving positive comments or validation when they are pleasing to their parents, and that might mean when they are quiet. So if you think about what made me a good girl, well, it was uh... when I was it was when I was quiet. It was when I was um, getting good grades at school. It was when I was winning BMX races. It was when I was, which meant that me being ex not rejected came with conditions and so that is like a whole other rabbit hole maybe a whole episode we could do just on that um mm. so there's how we received positive feedback as a child can be really important in determining whether we feel safe and secure or whether mm. we actually feel rejected and that leads us perfectly into our next episode on perfectionism because if we learn that we only receive validation and positive feedback when these certain conditions are met it means in order for us to not be rejected we need to meet the conditions mm -hmm. and those conditions are like i already told you some of mine winning bmx races getting a's at school being quiet being you know, suppressing my emotions. If I wasn't crying, I was a good girl. If I wasn't expressing my emotions, I was a good girl. And so that perfectionism of I need to have my shit together at all times. I need to be performing at a high level. I need to not make mistakes because it's not safe to make mistakes. I need to, I need to, I need to. Mm. All perfectly leads into stemming from a fear of rejection and perfectionism is the product yep absolutely absolutely because it's very hard to reject someone when they're the best at it or they're the they're the most beautiful or they have the most amount of money yeah. um and all of that but that that i'm assuming would also come at a cost not that i'm the most beautiful and the richest um, that's, that's a massive cost. 
a huge cost. The cost of your peace, the cost of your joy, the cost of your sanity, the cost of your patience, your mental health, your physical health comes at a huge cost. So, so important to talk about it. Wow. Um, well, this has been an incredible episode. Um, one that I kind of felt like it's 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 a real it's it's a tough one because it all seems to sort of you know I think like what you said before if this is the first time you've watched it or you've just come across us because of this fear of rejection go back to the other ones because all of these things sort of interlink and what we're doing is building a series of videos that's going to be around how do you feel about yourself what's your self worth who are you mm. and when you don't have or you're not aware of that kind of line of questioning, then you can then start to see how people pleasing comes up. Yeah. Because it's very hard to reject someone who's always, always just constantly giving whatever they can to people. Yeah. You know, um, it's driven by a fear of re rejection that can lead to perfectionism, and that yep. all of these things are kind of interlinked. So, um, massive episode, Ash. Massive. Thank you very much. Thanks. Oh, you are so welcome. And, I'm, and just for anyone listening, I encourage you to apply this thinking to every context of your life. Apply this to your workplace. If you're a business owner, apply this to your team culture. Is your workplace exploiting people's trauma responses of perfectionism? Is your workplace exploiting people's fear of rejection so they show up and abandon themselves for your benefit? because they want your validation. Is your parenting style praising your children's trauma response and adaptation to keep you happy, to be quiet, to appease you so that they don't feel rejected? These are massive questions. But when Ooh. we actually have the courage to go there, when we have the courage to look at it, when we have the courage to consider it, ponder it, it will change your life. Absolutely. Thanks for hanging out, guys. Thank you very much, Ash. We'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Yeah. Bye. <laughs>